Welcome to the podcast, everybody. I'm Trevor. I am the main host of the Midtown Podcast. And to those of you that have been faithful listeners, I am sorry this is so late being published. I have been working behind the scenes on some other things, and it's just taken longer than I wanted to publish this episode. Um, But the reason for the delay actually has to do with some really exciting news that I want to share with you. So this podcast isn't a standalone project. It's a part of a much bigger venture called Midtown Church. Midtown is a group of people committed to following Jesus and living with purpose in community. Uh, And a few of us have been working behind the scenes, taking some time to reimagine church and working on some foundational things for Midtown. And uh, one of the main things we've been working on over the last couple of weeks is figuring out what it would look like to start having worship services. So here's the exciting news. We we feel like we're ready to uh, worship together, but in a reimagined way. So we're going to have worship services called the Midtown Gathering. Uh, And it's going to be on the first Sunday night of every month. Our gatherings will be hosted at Tree City Church on Eagle Road in Boise, Idaho. And we'll meet at 6 p.m. Sunday night for a night of music and singing, a message or a teaching, uh, typically from me, but also I may be able to persuade Ben Kramer and some other friends uh, to come and share their voices and perspectives. Um, Just just some different people that I know whose, whose perspectives are so meaningful to me. And we'll have a time of communion and prayer. The main goal behind these gatherings is to offer a meaningful and unhurried worship experience where we can connect with God and with each other and with ourselves. So if you live in and around the Boise area, we would love to have you join us for our first of many worship gatherings. It's the first one's going to be November 7th at 6 p.m. at Tree City Church. And you can also visit our website for more information and, and keep up to date with what's happening at Midtown Church. That is midtownchurch.us, midtownchurch.us. One other thing I wanted to briefly mention before we get into this episode is that we've had some great feedback about the podcast so far. Most of it has been extremely encouraging and supportive, but we've also had some really good critical feedback as well. One of the concerns from some people is that the podcast doesn't match our tagline, Conversations for Curious People. And, you know, the feedback is that it seems as though Ben, Patrick, and I are just talking about things we agree on. And so it's really good feedback, and that is not what we want. So I think what I could say is for the first few episodes, the idea was to have conversations that I've heard from people outside the church and connect with them. All three of us, Patrick, Ben, and I, grew up in church, and we love the church, but we also want more from the church and for the church. We want church to be a place where spirituality and faith can be explored in a safe and a loving environment, and that's exactly what we want from this podcast. So I I have gone back through the episodes and listened with a critical ear, and I can hear sections where our tone doesn't sound curious or grace-filled, and I want to change that. So I really appreciate the feedback. We have a few more episodes that we've already recorded, so you may not hear an obvious change right away, but know that we always want to be better, and we're working on it. So having said all that, let's get into this week's episode. You guys are my favorite. Aww. Some of my favorites. It's Ben and Patrick again. 
So if people are listening or following along, we're building towards something. This is called the Midtown Podcast. There is something that uh, has been on my heart to start and it's morphing a little bit. It's a community of people that um, ultimately want to follow Jesus. And what that means is getting involved in the things that Jesus was involved in. Uh, and so it's, it, I hesitate to call it a church, but it is, I mean, it's a community. Uh, so I'm saying all this to say that we have a group of people that are like on the forefront of this. And we got together and we uh, were trying to figure out what are we all about we came up with a few statements and I would call them value statements. And I wanted to go through those with you guys. So the first value statement that we had, and I don't know if these are supposed to go in any sort of order, if there's a, if there's uh, dependencies, you know, whatever, like one of them is we value community over isolation. So, and maybe that goes first, but once you're in community, that can get, <laughs> that can get interesting as well. Right. Uh, and so once we're in this community, though, our community values relationship over religion. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to throw that statement out today. What does that mean to you? Does it resonate with you? Is that something that we see modeled in the life and the teachings of Jesus? What impact would that possibly have on our culture? Uh, it's kind of a free for all. Um, and we're going to, I really want to hear from others as well. So this will mm-hmm. be on, on our website and all that. But yeah. Relationship over religion. I'm interested with you, Ben, because Patrick was actually involved in the conversation early. And so since you're kind of coming in fresh, what are your initial thoughts on that? Man, throw me throw me under the bus right out the, the gate. Uh, <clears throat> well, I, I've, I've always really enjoyed that phrase uh, before I entered into to school and you know, pursued being a pastor and things like that. But I actually, to be honest, the, the phrase kind of rubs me the the wrong way now. Um, because what, I, I guess the question is, what do we mean by religion and religion, even in the dictionary definition is a relationship with God or a, di- a divine entity on a personal level. Um, and, and so that that's, you know, it, it's this kind of corporate worship sense of that. And it doesn't really go beyond that. But obviously, I think when we say religion or relationship over religion, I think we need really need to define our terms. Like, what do we mean by religion? And oftentimes, I think the spirit behind that phrase is great because I think what we're saying is we don't like the institutionalized um, kind of empire that Christianity has become, right? Mm-hmm. Using doctrines, which we still hold as good creeds, which we still hold as good music, even, you know, all these elements, prayer, the disciplines of the faith, we've used that as weapons to control and against others. And we don't want that. We want actual relationship with God and humanity. But when you lose that that element of the religious life, I've actually started to, to define it for people as part- participating with a reality that's greater than yourself. Mm. Because what, that's your definition of religion. Yes, because whatever your greatest habit is, that is your religion. I was at the gym once. It was I'll never forget this conversation. And I'd seen this guy there a couple of times or whatever. And and uh, you yeah, go to the gym every now and then. Oh, I used to. <laughs> 
<laughs> not anymore. That was uh, not. Yeah, that was a dig. Rude. Whoa. Rude. Rude. When Sorry. I was pursuing, you know, a single, you know, I went to the gym every now and then. But oh, but now the- <laughs> Rebecca's gonna love to hear yeah, this. Now he's course. letting himself yeah, go. Now I'm letting him, no. She, <laughs> she, she gets me to the gym every day. I just Good went job, to the gym this morning. Okay. Nice. All right. All right. Uh, Sorry. But you know, this guy, we entered into like conversation and stuff like that, and he asked me what I did. Awkward conversation as a pastor always. Love that. You know, just told him or whatever, and he's like, you know, I. I actually, the gym is my church and I go here religiously. Mm. You know, we use that phrase. Yeah. That. And so I was joking with him and I responded, oh, so you only show up for Christmas and Easter. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because like, it's perfect. <laughs> you know, you only show up for Christmas and Easter because, you know, that's kind of what we think of when we think of people who go to church religiously, even the most religious as according to Barna, really only show up maybe one to two times a month. And that's the most faithful yeah. attendance. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I really started to think about those. Like, he's right. Like, wherever he goes to find community and connection, that really is his church, his ecclesia, the gathering place that mm-hmm. upholds a reality. He's trying to ascend to a reality greater than himself. The fit life is not something that comes easy, right? And to do that habit religiously, that mm-hmm. it actually is his religion because it's the most dominant habit. Uh, James K.A. Smith, in his book, uh, You Are What You Love, like that, so that is the thesis of that book is that your dominating habits is actually what defines you the most. And so is it, is it Netflix? Like what, what is your most dominating habit? And that's actually your religion. And so our, as Christians, our religion actually is relationship. At least it should be. At least it should be. Yes. Right. And I don't think, so my argument always is if it's not relationship, it isn't our religion. That is not our religion. That's good. Um, when I asked my dad this question, he said, Let me, well, but relationship was Jesus' religion. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, okay, so maybe we're, <laughs> shoot. <laughs> no, I don't think so, though. So Yeah, you go. Yeah, I mean, Ben, I, I appreciate the perspective you offered. Mm-hmm. And in that like that paradigm you just described, I would agree with you 100% mm-hmm. that that word religion you know, takes on a new meaning. Or it gets back to the original meaning. Right. But in our culture, there's such a negative connotation. You bring up religion, and I mean, I know so many people, the hackles go up. Mm-hmm. Like it, the defense is on uh, because so many atrocities have been carried out in the name of religion. Mm. Where, I mean, <laughs> Spanish Inquisition was grounded in religion. You know, the Crusades are grounded in religion. And some of the most awful the, things that have happened. Technically, mm. the Holocaust was. Technically, the Holocaust, mm. yeah. Yeah. So. So when you have such negativity, such, such destruction and death that can be directly associated with religion, specifically the Christian faith, um, I think we should have to be careful how we navigate that yeah. conversation. And so for me, it's more of, I mean, I think Wesley would say really that relationship should be, I mean, Religion should be grounded in relationship. The purest form of relationship or religion with, you know, it, it, you know following God, mm-hmm. following Christ should be grounded in relationship. Sure. But in that statement, valuing relationship over religion, it becomes the foundation. It becomes the focal point. If religion itself is a focal point, it's so easy to fall into a trap of rules, a checklist, things that you do to make sure that you're right with God, you know, 
And then we wind up having a very unhealthy relationship with the Bible. Mm. Uh, the relationship becomes, okay, did I, did, did I check my list mm. to make sure I'm in alignment mm-hmm. with what the Bible says I should be or do versus if I embrace this relational aspect that Jesus calls us into, if I pursue that borderline recklessly sometimes where love is at the pinnacle and it drives all the decisions I make and I start mm-hmm. to measure scripture against that gospel of love, then as opposed to it being a rule book I follow, it becomes a picture that's been painted mm-hmm. for me of what mm-hmm. I can aspire to be like. Mm-hmm. And that can only happen when we embrace that relational aspect that Christ called us to. Right. And the way I kind of think about that is that, I, I mean, this is totally gross generalization here. I understand that. But in my recent walk in my faith, uh, I feel like I can put a lot of Christ followers, people who will ascribe to that, that title, if you will, into two major camps. Hmm. And again, gross generalization here, but you can be walking out of a grocery store and you see an elderly, elderly, elderly lady. I can't say that word for some reason today. I have a stutter <laughs> and it comes up sometimes. No, so. me too. Okay, me yeah. too. Sorry, I'm totally getting off topic here. But a woman walks out, bag full of groceries, paper bag tears, all their stuff goes over all over the, the parking lot. And you have the person who's like, you know what? Because I say I'm a Christ follower, I should probably go, I should probably go help her. And there's a dialogue in the head. Like you convince yourself you have to do it because it's kind of the checklist kind of mentality versus someone who just responds. There is no hesitation. You dive in. That's what you do. That's the kind of engagement that, that Jesus calls us to in everything is that you just dive in and love and give and serve and be compassionate and be filled with empathy and grace and mercy because it's in your DNA. It's not a checklist you're trying to follow. Mm. And so that's the juxtaposition I see in that statement, relationship over religion. So often religion is distilled down to, are you following these rules? Are you doing these things? If you are, you're good. When in reality, that can distract you from, it does Mm -hmm. distract us, I would argue, from the pureness and the, the beauty that is in relationships yeah, yeah. and those things kind of happen just naturally when you are putting others before yourself, mm-hmm. when you are valuing human, all human life, when you are looking in the eyes of someone and you saying like, I, I value you and I love you regardless of what anything else says and tells me to do like that, that foundation, that's what Jesus did <laughs> all throughout scripture. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what he did. And mm-hmm. it led to other things. He came to say, like, the religion you're following, it's not working, folks. Like, I'm, I'm going to fulfill this, right? I'm, mm-hmm. I, I'm basically coming with a new religion. You're right. This religion and relationship that these things can fit within that paradigm mm-hmm. still. Right. But they have new meaning because you've been putting them in the wrong context, sure, sure. following the wrong way. You're does right. that make sense? Yeah, it absolutely does. And I think that it's not a, <clears throat> a binary or either or here. You know, I, Absolutely I, not, yeah. I, I think one of the things that I... I try to hold on to there is that, you know, we, we engage that life of love and relationship because we have learned that from Christ, you know, and we, we have found that, you know, we don't, we don't come to that sort of relationship in a vacuum. You know, we learn that from scripture. We learn that as it's, you know, exemplified by other people in our life that we've received that kind of love and we want to be shaped and formed by those kind of habits that makes that kind of love possible because we know that it doesn't, 
just fall from the sky. It takes discipline and work to, to respond and be like, you know, how you prioritize love that Mm -hmm. that's the dominant reality that shapes and forms your thinking, your mind, your heart. And so that's, that's the habits of a religious life. And I think something else on the other side of that, that makes me, you know, just a little cautious is that when, when we, in the Christian world, say relationship over religion, it can inherently create a distrust towards our our Muslim brothers and sisters, or those or you know people of other religions, mm-hmm. like as if well they aren't part of our relationship, and they're a part of their own religion, and so we can kind of just inherently demonize you know, their doctrines, their perspectives and things like that, because they are part of a religion. Could it, could that go though another way though? That's what I was just asking. Ask, Cause yeah. I think that's the idea. Uh, even if you are a part of a, a different religion, if you have a different belief system, mm-hmm. the relationship should still be right. More important than that. I mean, it's kind of what this podcast is all about, mm-hmm. right? So you have a difference of opinion now now what's my response to that sure mm-hmm. sure well and the, the, I, i'll i'll say one more thing yeah. you know and get off my my soapbox no no no, no. <laughs> but like i i i think the core of every religion is relationship if you look at all the deities it is humanity's striving for relationship at the end of the day. And I would say that from the point, the first five centuries of the early church, that was their religion was relationship. And it wasn't until Constantine came and screwed everything up, turned it into an empire. Mm -hmm. That's when we lost the relationship and it actually became nationalism. And every single time you see in scripture, the, you know, Peter rebuking Jesus, Judas betraying Jesus every single time that Jesus is pushed back by the disciples. Nationalism is actually the root of it. Mm -hmm. Trying to make Israel great again through force and power when Jesus was trying to get them to understand the power of love Mm -hmm. and that, and that relationship with God. Right. And we have just gone through 2020 through January 6th, 2021. We've seen the elements of our religion, Christianity, used for the purposes of nationalism, mm-hmm. like the the signs that say Jesus saves, the crosses, the Bibles that were carried in while the capital was being stormed. We who are Christians would say that's not our religion, mm-hmm. right? Nationalism is its own kind of religion that actually takes those things from the Christian perspective and uses it for its own purposes of power. That's at the core of the inquisitions, the core of the crusades, the core of the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. Like it was nationalism that was co-opting these elements of our faith Mm -hmm. um, to pursue its own gain. And so I, of course, as, as a pastor and, and, and somebody who really cares about theology just wants to be really cautious with the words that we use because how we define those in community, Mm -hmm. right. It, it may have ramifications that we're not really, you know, wanting to have Mm -hmm. in the long run while the core of that is really, really good. And I may be belaboring it and it may not have any negative consequences. Right. But I, I really do want to, you know, be, I think specific because really when it comes down to it as, as Christians in any religion, words are really all we have. Right. Words in scripture, words in doctrine, words in creeds, you know, the word on the morning, Sunday mornings, that's really all we have. And so mm-hmm. I, you know, kind of want to be, be, uh, cautious about those things. I really appreciate that perspective. And, and 
I mean, yeah, how you define something mm-hmm. is so critical yeah. because semantics has been at the root of so many conflicts. So many, play. right. So I'm curious to just kind of hear your perspective, mm-hmm. Ben. If I mean, that statement, relationship over religion, if we define it as as the, the, the negative side of religion, right? Mm-hmm. If we also, as Trevor mentioned, you know, I mean, we, we value our, our relationships with our brothers and sisters of other faiths. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. More, more than the lines that divide us. Right. If we can get to that core and we, we walk this path of this is what we mean by this. This is what we aspire to mm-hmm. do. This is how we want you to engage in the world around you. Mm-hmm. Is, is that good enough? Is, is, is that safe to you? Mm. Or, or do you feel like that, that word is just too much? That's what I was going to ask. Is there, a, is there a different word than... Other than religion. Religion, yeah. Because yeah. I, I, as I'm looking it up, so yeah, the belief in and worship of a superhuman controlling power, mm. especially a personal god or gods, but then the second one, a particular system of faith mm-hmm. and worship. The the issues that are happening in the Middle East right now and the mm-hmm. constant war. Oh yeah. It seems as though our only answer is more violence and more war. Mm-hmm. And how could there ever be peace? And some people don't want peace. They actually thrive off of uh, of war, but it but it seems to me that the only way that there would be peace is if world leaders or religious leaders were to sit down and mend the relationship mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and right. place the relationship right. over this. That's so good. Absolutely, yeah. And I think that's well. And so I'm. I guess I'm asking: Is there a different word other than? Is it is it relationship over dogma? Obviously, we were going for the alliteration. I sure, think. sure, <laughs> yeah. I think you can still have a good alliteration. Just and this is just spitballing, but um, you know, I think when you, when you were talking about when we try to create this system, it it naturally begets this um, idea of control, and so you know, I I think instead of playing with the words religion and relationship, I would say confession over control. Because when we, we look at politics, uh, you know, what's always kind of uh, struck me as strange is we don't have the same conversations around politics and political systems as we do religion and religious systems, right? So we, we don't have this conversation, especially in America, we are pretty convinced that democracy is one of the best things that we have seen since the enlightenment, right? Mm -hmm. So we're not saying the system of democracy needs to be torn down, you know, and we need relationship over democracy. You know, that's not kind of a juxtaposition that we put in there. We, we, we are so convinced that it works, that we have two extreme sides trying to gain those positions of power because we believe in the system. If it was working properly, we believe that it works well, right? A democracy where ideas are shared and the power is shared equally and the majority rule, you know, all of those elements Mm -hmm. that we hold true, we don't have that same conversation around democracy as we do something like Christianity. But it's because we believe in a democracy where it's like these things are submitted, these words, and then there is a confession of these words, and then there's not a desire by one person to control everyone else by those words. They want to come to a consensus that we will abide and confess that these words are true, right? And so I would say that we are a 
we are people who prioritize confession over control. When you look at the Ten Commandments, these are the ten words of God. We confess that these things are true. We are going to abide the majority of us by these words and not try to control others. There will be consequences. Obviously, if these words are not abided by, our community will suffer. The same is true for our our creeds and our doctrines. Our, our understandings of our religion is that we confess that Christ is Lord, but are we going to take the next step to try to control other people in that belief that Christ is Lord, right? So it's confession over over control. And really with Adolf Hitler, like his idea, he was not going to sit down and confess these things. I really do believe that, that the white race is superior. What do you think? And imagine if he was open to have that confession questioned, right? Um, he would, we may live in a different world today. If he was open to say, I confess these things, is this going to be the good for others? No, he tried to take that word and control others. I, that may not be, you know, the mm-hmm. the trajectory, but I I think that there's at least a grain yeah. of, of truth there. There's the two main words of that statement, and then there's the middle word over. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the idea of relationship is not doing away with or ignoring religion. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that we that we value that over religion and and i don't know if that redeems it at all either some of the early i guess you would call them gentiles because they weren't jews but probably greek but as they were turning and wanting to follow the way which is what early christians were called followers of the way because it's jesus right it had uh it wasn't it wasn't a statement of belief. They actually mm-hmm. were getting involved right, in the right. things that they were doing. And then there was an understanding of, as I serve the poor, as I, as I feed the hungry, mm-hmm. I get it. I understand now that I'm fully human and I'm, and I'm living with purpose. Mm-hmm. Like I'm living to help somebody else flourish. Right. Right. right? And there's right. the relationship. It's, exactly. It's grounded in relationship that points you back to Jesus. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. could we change the, the, the phrase to relationship as religion? Like my dad wanted to say, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Cause it, cause it's good. It, because there is, there is something like, uh, in my strength finder, uh, belief has always been in my top five. Um, and I've had to work really hard at having a growth mindset. If something resonates with me, uh, and it's, and it, and I would consider that like a belief statement or, or a core value or something like that. It's, it's difficult for me to see another way, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, but also (laughs) my son, I can already see him being strong in belief and, and, and well, even my three-year-old is probably even more sassy than he is. (laughs) But what I love about that is in high school, when somebody says, Hey, try this drug, his belief, hopefully his beliefs are that that will not lead to life. That right. doesn't leave to, lead to, to uh, the best things for me. And that strong belief is going to hold him. Mm-hmm. And so in this sense, there is a certain religion <laughs> that I want him to hold on right. to. Right. Right. Yeah. And let me go further, though. This is the interesting part. Now that religion because this person is inviting him into something that's not his religion. And I'm using drugs just as, I mean, it's, it's one example. It could be anything, but now what he can do is view that person as evil and therefore 
sever the relationship with this guy. Mm-hmm. And, if, and if my son really believes that not doing drugs uh, leads to life, and if he truly loves this other person as his neighbor, he would do everything possible to help bring him to that li- that life that mm-hmm. you know a life without drugs um but but so often we're going to just go nope don't be around them and right. probably in context uh, you know i would say because junior high and high schoolers are, are in that age group in this you know, even college you know it, you're not quite as i mean you're, you're easily swayed yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah impressionable then i could i've heard it said before you know show me your friends and there's your future right mm-hmm. so in that instance, like I don't, I'm not giving anybody parental advice right now. Right. I'm trying to understand this idea between relationship mm-hmm. and religion. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you had something to say. Well, yeah, I was just thinking, you, you like how, how your son approaches that too, you know, in, in that given situation, we can write people off or we can come in with a hellfire and brimstone, like, you know, which has never worked. And I'm, I'm wondering which one is more damaging. <laughs> you know, I mean, ultimately, yeah. you pursue people. You pursue people regardless of the pain they're dealing with, the yeah. struggle. You know, I mean, that's Jesus walked mm-hmm. with people in their filthiest mm-hmm. stuff, right? Um, but that the understanding that someone has on how to navigate a relationship where someone is on the other side of a fence, if you will, our willingness to walk up to that fence or the line that's been drawn in the sand. We do it over and over and over and over and over. And the church has historically done a really poor job of that. Yeah. We have yeah. stepped up one time, given the opportunity, oh, well, I did my, my job, you know, because I'm following a rule of how I'm supposed to engage with someone who's an mm-hmm. outsider, you know, however you want to describe that. And then, okay, well, I tried and I'm done. And that, that is where the, the, the relig- religiosity, is that a word? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But where that, that rule following becomes destructive yeah not just to the person who you need to have a relationship with it becomes destructive to the faith you claim to hold exactly jesus broke a whole lot of religious rules in his day well that's what's so ironic about the way that we interpret that verse yeah is that we read no one comes to the father except through me through the same exclusivity that the pharisees practice their religion yeah right right and may i piggyback on that yeah so I'm just thinking about a sermon I heard not too long ago. Actually, it was at, you know at, at Tree City where your, your posture in prayer, like are, are you praying for God to be a part of the, your world, your dynamic, or are you praying that you will see the ways you can step into his? Mm-hmm. Scripture is the exact same way. Are we reading scripture to justify our perspective? Are we reading scripture because, man, I want to find answers about X, Y, or Z? Or are we reading scripture because we want to have a deeper understanding of what God calls us right. to? Did you have anything else? Well, I was just going to say, you know, along with what Patrick is saying as well, is like this, the dynamic between the parable of Christ's parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, like those two separate postures there. One is saying, thank the Lord, I'm not like that sinner over there. Mm-hmm. Like I am a part of the, the, those who are with the father rather than one who says, Lord, I'm a sinner, have mercy upon me. That's a posture of, I want my foundation to be you. And and Jesus is talking about not exclusivity, but can you walk along with how inclusive I am? Mm. Because my way includes tax collectors and prostitutes and yours, your way doesn't. Mm. 
Right. I actually sit down with people that you condemn me for <laughs> because of your exclusivity. And it's difficult. His first sermon in the synagogue was, Behold, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, quoting Isaiah, to bring good news to the poor, to bring liberation to the captives, to free the oppressed, to bring the year of the Lord's favor, sight to the blind. And the year of the Lord's favor was Jubilee. That's literally economic redistribution of resources and wealth. This is a huge message. And then he takes the scroll and he's like, behold, what? And I admit, imagine him whapping the stomach of the guy next to him, right? <laughs> As he hands the scroll back, he's like, behold, whap, it is fulfilled in your midst. And then they try to stone him because of that, the immensity of that sort of radical, like dismantling of the systems that oppress for this relationship that God has desired from the very beginning to be manifested through Christ and those who would follow Christ Jesus. And that is a difficult life to live, to be that extravagant with your love and following in that way. Jesus is saying that is the way to be a part of God if you follow in that way. And I love the way you said all that, Ben, because that makes me feel like that relationship over that kind of religion. Mm-hmm. I'm down with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The exclusivity. Yeah. Exclusivity. Yeah. yeah. I have I've said this a couple times. In fact, one of the one of the few times I've actually had the opportunity to preach, I was trying to I was trying to get the understanding of how impactful and how profound when Jesus says he the the religious leaders come to him, "Hey, what's the most important command?" And like everybody knows, if you're a Jew, you know it. And he's just quoting Deuteronomy 6. But he says, yeah, it's love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. And the second is like it. Basically, there's no there's no difference here. Love your neighbor. Like, it, this mm-hmm. is part of it. Love right. your neighbor as yourself. Right. But this, sta- this next statement, all the law and all the prophets, mm-hmm. all of your scripture, all of the Hebrew texts so far, hangs on these two. Mm-hmm. Hangs on this. That's huge. Huge. And I think what I tried to say was, first of all, thank you, Jesus, for making 613 laws, boiling those down to this one statement. Mm -hmm. And then you would think, oh, well, that's easy. No, it's simple. It's much more simple, but it's not easy. And it has no loopholes Mm -hmm. because you know, you know what love is. Mm -hmm. You know it in your heart. Yeah. Like, you know, right? right? Nobody, we can't understand. We can't fully know what's inside somebody else. We don't know their motivations, but you know, yeah. when you're doing something, uh, and, and if, and if that is true, I think that's what we're saying is those two statements, love God, love others. It is completely relational. It is Mm -hmm. completely relational. I think the beautiful component of that is it includes good love of yourself as well. Mm-hmm. Love God, love neighbor, love self. And you have that dynamic that you can actually value God, value yourself, value your neighbor, where that exclusive religion doesn't allow you to even value yourself from the yeah. beginning. Mm-hmm. It's like you are valued by the rules that you follow. You're valued by how much work you produce by, you know, all of those things where the religion of Christ is just, yeah. com- it allows for that true dignity of, of human. Mm-hmm. And it feels thriving. like love has to break that cycle. Oh, like as you were saying that I'm, I'm thinking there's, you know, hurt people, hurt people. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah. Um, if you are hurt, you are not in a, a place to love. You right. are in a, you are in a preservation mode mm-hmm. and, um, and it's going to take somebody to 
it's going to take love in that mm -hmm. situation. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so I think this is just what we keep seeing though, right. is it, it love it's brave. That's a brave, that's mm -hmm. a courageous thing. It is. Absolutely. Well, I don't want that to be the end of the conversation. Um, I mean, keep that going, but I, I hope, you know, if you're listening, I hope you hear the heart behind this. This is not to do away with religion. It's to hopefully try to redeem religion. Aspire to a better one. Aspire to mm -hmm. a better one. Yep. And it's, and it has to do with relationships. Mm -hmm. Amen. Um, and if I could even say too, just think about the, re some of the most dear relationships, those intimate relationships that you have. And if there is a severing, if there, if, if you have a relationship that's not good right now, uh, Think about, imagine what that could be like if that relationship was restored. Mm. Wouldn't life be so much better? Yeah. And and if you're and if you and if you're holding on to a certain belief or you're holding on to um, my way is right and I didn't do anything wrong, you know, I'm challenging myself right now because I'm thinking about some relationships where I don't feel like I've done an, I've done anything wrong. But I'm still part of the problem. I could still pursue that. I could still walk up to the fence, Patrick, like you said, and say, I don't want to live like this. I want to be restored with you. I want the relationship more than I want my, you know, my religion or my belief system. Right. And so maybe that's one of the things that you could take away from this podcast. It's not easy, but it's so worth it. Mm -hmm. As always, I love these conversations with you guys. Yeah, me Thanks too. for being here. You bet. So good to be here. <laughs>